Mark chapter 4, if you're a guest, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. We started in January. Here we are at the end of May uh, at Mark chapter 4. We've picked up the pace a bit. In Mark 4, verses 1 through 20, is the story of the seed being sown on several different soils. And only one soil producing fruit. Jesus is going to take the thought of the seed and bring it forward into a couple of short sayings, then two parables, and then a summary. You'll see it. We'll tie it all together here as we go through it. Mark chapter 4, we'll start in verse 21 and read down to verse 34. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin verse 21. You follow along in the Bible. <clears throat> and he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest is come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. Here's the editorial. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Join me as we pray. Father, it is my prayer that you would give men and women here ears to hear. I pray that in an unusual way, you would move in the hearts of men and women that the seed of the gospel that has been planted maybe even years ago would sprout up. God, call people to yourself. Strengthen the hearts of those that struggle. Bring encouragement to those that are down. Show us, show us Christ above all this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Friday night was graduation night at Hickory Grove Christian School. If you've ever been to the sanctuary at the Harris campus there, you'll notice there's a balcony. And when it comes time to have graduation, all the family and friends sit on the lower part. And the graduates line up on the balcony prepared to walk down the stairs and onto the platform and the stage. <clears throat> As the pomp and circumstance began, the graduates started down the stairs. And when the first graduate 
hit the floor, put her foot on the ground. Parents and friends erupted. I mean, all, all sense of propriety was gone out of the window. I think that there was this pent-up pride, this joy of knowing all that's been accomplished. I mean, they clapped the entire time those kids walked down. Clapped the whole time. It wasn't like that at my graduation. And I think that so much pride and, and gratefulness of all that had happened and all that had been accomplished. Those kids can take their diploma, they can put it on the wall, and there you can look. There is my accomplishment. But not just the accomplishments, so many of them, I think about $12 million or so worth of scholarships, so many of them, so many of them look forward to the plan ahead. The only thing about the plan ahead is you can't see what it is. I mean, an accomplishment, you can look back. We've got a record of that. Go on social media, you'll see it all. What we don't have record of is the plan. You see, the plan of God is hard to see. We know it's there. It's hard to grasp. Here in chapter 4 of Mark, Jesus is laying out his kingdom. Jesus is giving a plan for the way forward. We don't know what the plan is. God calls us to trust the plan. Now, in chapter 4, he reached back with the parable of the soils, the soils that some of the seeds fell on rocky ground, some on a hard path, some were choked, up by, choked out by the thorns, but one, one ground was fruitful. And Jesus said, that's what, that's what the gospel does. Now he turns his attention to the kingdom, the theme of, of those seeds being planted and growing up into a kingdom continues as we look at the plan of God. And what this passage teaches us is that God's people, that's me and you, God's people take joy in God's plan. Now, I'm going to take several pithy statements Jesus made, two parables, and try to put them all together and point toward the kingdom of God as God's plan. Let's see if we can do it. Here's the first one, number one. What do we learn? We learn that the Word of God, the Word of God is our focus. If you're going to follow through with the plan of God for your life, we do know that in order to do that, the Word of God must be our focus. Let's go to the Bible and read it. What I want to do is just um, let me read verses 21 through 25 and comment along the way. And then let's go back and make some application after we've read it. You join me there. You follow along. In your copy, verse 21. And he said to them, we don't know who the them is. Could have been the disciples, could have been a broader group. He's been on the Sea of Galilee. So many people one time he had to get in a boat and pull back. We just know he's talking to a crowd of people. He said to them, and here comes a rhetorical question that is completely absurd. Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? A lamp, it would be... A, little clay pot with olive oil, with a ring to, to hold, with an open flame. You walk into a dark room. You bring it in. Jesus says, do you walk in with that to jam it under a basket or under the bed? No. You put it on a lamp. You put it on a stand. Why? Because as high as it is up there, the light 
will cascade through the room and it brings light to the room. You see the rhetorical question in verse 21, the absurdity. Don't hide that light. Verse 22. Now he starts to talk about himself. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Jesus is the lamp. And he's saying now what has been held secret in the Old Testament has now come. The Messiah is here. And that secret held for so long is now being exposed in the preaching, in the miracles, and finally at the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When I pray for you and I pray for this sermon and I don't ever know who's going to come to church. What I pray is that God would give you the ability to understand. That God would give you ears to hear so that what you're hearing from the word would seep down into your soul. Verse 24, he ties it. Let him who has ears to hear, hear. Verse 24, and then he said, pay attention now to what you hear. Pay attention. With the measure you use, with the measure you use paying attention, with the measure you use, it then will be measured to you. Make an investment in listening. It's going to come back to you. And still more will be added. Verse 25 is a scary verse. For to the one who has, to the one who's listening, to the one who is getting this, to the one who has even more, is given. Here's the scary part. From the one who has not, even, even the little bit that he does have is taken away. Now what in the world has Jesus said here? Let's see if we've gone through and expanded. Now let's go back. Let's go back and make some application. What can we apply here? Well, here's the first one if you'd like to write things down. Number one, you need to share the gospel. That's verse 21. Verse 21 is saying, share the gospel. If you have the lamp, which is Christ, you have the light, you don't put it under a basket, you don't jam it under the bed. No, you put it in the most prominent place so that it might shine the brightest. All of you here, you know the gospel. A couple of things you know. If you've come to Hickory Cove for any amount of time, even if you didn't mean to, you have memorized Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. You don't even have to have much sense to be able to memorize that. You've just come to church and you've heard it. You got that. You know what else you have? You may not know it, but you already have the template of the gospel. You know how to share the gospel. You've heard it said several times over and over again. God is the holy creator who created all of us in his image. You are created in the image of God. That image of God in you has been disfigured by your own sin. I'm sure I don't have to convince you that you are a sinner. That sin separates us from God, not just a, a long way from God. We are cut off as his people. We are not his people. In fact, if you press it further, we're his enemies. But God is not just a God who looks at sin and hates it and judges it. He's also a God who is loving, the steadfast love. And in that love, he gives us Jesus. Here's the gospel message. Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, lived perfectly, completing, keeping the law in a way we couldn't. He goes to the cross, and, and here, here's the cross. This is why it's important. 
The cross is where the wrath of God is poured out on sinners. And Jesus is our representative, you see. He, he takes the judgment, the wrath of God at the cross. That's why it's so central to us. He takes all of that so that judgment is carried out on Jesus and not on us. If you're not in Christ, you one day will be judged because of that. But if you're in Christ, the judgment is on Jesus. God raised him from the dead to show that, this is why the resurrection is important, to show that there is victory, that it worked. He is satisfied. His wrath is turned away. So now you hear that. Now every person who trusts Jesus died in your place and God raised him from the dead. If you believe that, you turn from your sin, you believe that, the Bible teaches that's how you become a Christian. You know how to share the gospel. Jesus says you have the light. You don't put that lamp under a... Why are you keeping that away? You don't put it under a bed. You, you take it and use it as it's intended to be used. A lot of you have iPhones. I've got an iPhone myself. They change something on the screen of the iPhone that is troubling to all people that are over 50. You accidentally turn your flashlight on. And all the kids laugh at you. Look at the old man with his flashlight on. Walking around with a, poking out of your pocket. It's not how it's supposed to be used, right? It doesn't belong in my pocket when it's on. And what Jesus says is, now you've got, the, you've got the light. Why do you hold that? We share the gospel. What else do we find out here from this little parable? Verse 22, we trust that the gospel will do its own work. We'll talk more about this, but right there in verse 22, Jesus says, nothing is hidden, nor is anything secret, except that it will come to light. There is an unfolding that is going to happen. We trust that once the gospel is shared, we don't have to go into a sales pitch. It's not incumbent on us to try to pressure people into Jesus. That's not how that works. When the gospel is laid out before. We trust that, that the gospel itself, Paul says, is the, it's the power of God to salvation. So we share the gospel and we trust that the gospel will do its work. Then we lean on the gospel. Do you see verse 23? Verse 23 is spiritual discernment. Jesus says, let him who has an ear, look, if you can hear it, let him hear. Let it drop into your soul. Man, when I pray for you, I pray that God would give you ears to hear so that when the Bible is read, God speaks to your heart from the Bible, you receive that. That it means something to you. We lean on that gospel truth. Verse 24 is a picture of discipleship. You might even write down, we need to grow in the gospel. You know what he says in verse 24? He said to them, not only have an ear to hear, but pay attention. Look at, the, look at the logic in verse 24. Pay attention to what you hear. Not just from my mouth, brothers and sisters, but from the Bible. Pay attention to what you hear with the measure you use. In, in other words, the degree to which you pay attention. With the measure that you use, it will be measured to you and more will be added. You know what that's saying? When you're interacting with God's Word and you are worshiping, to the degree you pour yourself into being a Christian, to that degree God is going to bless you, grow your heart, strengthen your soul, and even add more to it. It's growing, growing in the gospel. And I would just add one more, and that is you need to believe 
the gospel. Let me show you where I get that. Verse 25, it's a, it's a, it's a disconcerting verse. This is from Jesus. For to the one who has, more will be given. So there's grace. That's the Christian growing in grace. And from the one who has not. This is the one that heard the gospel, not responded. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So, so you cannot be a Christian but benefit from other Christians around you and be close association with the people that, that love you and want to take care of you, that are your friend. And this is a, a word of judgment. Connie and I were talking uh, just the other day about the state of our country, the state of the world. And there's this sense where it feels like the judgment of God in some ways is upon the Romans chapter 1 where the Bible says that God gave them over. So the people that are not even Christians, well, you go into Target, for instance. You've probably read all about that. All this in a, in a store. And it feels as if God is withdrawing his hand, his, his restraining hand that has held back evil for so long. And verse 25 is just this gentle reminder. You could have benefited from Christianity, being close to the church. But if it never took root in your heart, even that is taken away. You see, the Word of God is our focus. If we're going to follow through the plan of God, if we're going to be God's people, taking joy in God's plan, even if we don't know it, we can know what the Word of God says. The Word of God is our focus. Those are the first two sayings, all the way down to verse 26. Now let's turn our attention to the parables of the kingdom. We'll make a point out of that. Here's the second point. Number two, the kingdom of God is our hope. So if the word of God is our focus, and it is, then the kingdom of God is our hope. Now there are two parables here, both of them about the kingdom of God and Jesus has taught. I'm going to read them both. Uh, one starts in verse 26, and then we'll get down to about verse 30, and we'll read the second parable. This first parable, starting in verse 26, uh, it's, it's unique in that Mark is the only one who records it. So the other Gospels, Matthew doesn't have it, Luke doesn't have it, John doesn't have it. So let's pay very close attention. <clears throat> Mark probably got it from Peter. Peter told him this, this parable. Let's pay very close attention to what the parable says. Let's start in verse 26. You follow along. <clears throat> and he said, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. So here's the farmer out doing what farmers do, planting seed. Walking across the field, casting the seed. Verse 27, goes home, <clears throat> worked hard that day, sleeps, he rises night and day. So here's the routine. The farmer's a routine guy. He's just going about his business, doing what he normally does. And while he's doing that, the seed out there in the field sprouts and grows. And the farmer doesn't know how it works. That's what verse 27 Verse 27 says, he doesn't know how it works. And then Jesus explains, <clears throat> verse 28. The earth produces by itself, that Greek word automatic. The earth, God has set these, this in motion. The earth produces by itself. Look at the process. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So Jesus teaching about the kingdom shows us 
There's a sowing the seed, that seed grows. Once that seed has grown up to its fullest potential, then the harvest comes when, when God will reap all of those. Okay, keep that in mind. Now let's go to the second parable, verse 30. <clears throat> he asked two questions on the front end of verse 30, Jesus does. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like he's sitting with people and says, I, I want to try to help you understand this. I'm, so what can I say that's going to help you really get the kingdom of God? And he's struck with the idea. It's a mustard seed. Here it is. Verse 31. It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. There is some hyperbole there. People have gone and found smaller seeds than a mustard seed. The point is it is a very small seed that's going to produce something very large. Verse 32, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air, that's how sturdy it is, birds can come and make their nests in the shade of this mustard tree bush. All right, now let's go back. <clears throat> Flip back to verse 26. We'll start with that parable. What do we learn? Verse 26, here's the first one. Our job is to scatter the seed. Our job is to share the gospel, if you'd rather say it another way. The farmer goes out, he throws out the seed. That's all he can do. What do we do? All we can do is share the gospel. We don't pressure people. We don't make a sales pitch. What do we do? We speak the gospel. And then after speaking the gospel, come down to verse 27, we realize that only God can save. Verse 27, do you see providence, what, uh, what Jesus says? The kingdom of God is like a man who scatters the seed on the ground. He goes about his life. He's not worried about it. What are you anxious about? He rises, gets up in the morning, does what he normally does. And out there in the field where he poured where he put that seed, it started to sprout up and grow. We, we, we trust that God will do his work with the gospel. Our job is to share the gospel, to do so faithfully, to do so time and again, and then we leave the rest to God. God is sovereign and good and works. The hearts of men and women are in his hand when he decides to open somebody's heart, he'll do that. But we do pray. You might even write that down. We need to trust providence and pray. Because the Bible says in verse 27 that the farmer doesn't know how it works. We don't know when God might do it. We don't know how he'll do it. We're asking God to bring whatever it takes to make the, the seed of the gospel germinate in somebody's life. And then verse 28, what do we do? We wait patiently. The earth produces. It's going to happen automatically. Is what the, the earth produces by itself. Start slow, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. We wait that God will do what he's going to do. In verse 28, we, we trust that God is doing a work that we can't see. When a seed goes into the ground, the farmer doesn't know how it works, but something starts to happen. The water and the soil, the nutrients hit that seed, and at some point, that seed will grow into a plant. So we, we trust. You stop worrying about people that you love so dearly and trust that God will do the work. 
That doesn't mean we don't look for results. I would even write it down. We look expectantly for a result. How do I get that? Verse 29, you see the process when the grain is ripe and once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Sowing, growing, harvest. Now that idea of harvest can, can mean a couple of things. It could mean that the harvest being someone giving their life to Christ. The harvest could mean that there's this day coming. Well, this is where it feels like it's coming from Joel or from Revelation where the, the sickle is the angels coming and harvesting souls and those that are in Christ will be with Christ forever and those that are not are cast into hell. It could mean that. Either way, we look expectantly for, for God to work and we worship. Brothers and sisters, we worship a God that does the miraculous. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like that. He gives another parable. Let me go down to verse 30, 31, and 32. Let's make some application from the mustard seed that grows into this giant tree. What do we say here? You might say that God causes, God causes the smallest acts. He uses and causes the smallest acts to bring about the greatest results. The most inconsequential words... The point of this parable, of this small seed, is you never know what you're doing. You never know what seed that you might be planting in somebody's life. The point is not wrapped up in the power of the seed. The point is that that seed is planted. It's a small seed. And the point is the power of God. It's the greatness of God that brings some sort of change. Jesus says that's how the kingdom of God works. A small seed, a kind word. A dinner invitation. <clears throat> you saying to someone, how can I pray for you? Last week we baptized 15 people. I told you that. <clears throat> one of those we baptized was one of the police officers that protects us here. Him and his son. He's from New Jersey. Never really wanted much to do with the church. But, but because he was here, people kept interacting. At some point, the seeds bore fruit. The Bible says, don't, don't despise the day of the small things. There, there are people here that will volunteer in the nursery so that, a, so that a young mother can come, she had a rough week, can come and sit and worship. Stand out the door greeting people. You don't know how many people have walk in to, to this church and had a terrible week, had, had a, a kind word spoken all week, and had just a kind word. At our graduation, Hickory Grove Christian School, Abby Sampson, one of our seniors graduating class, she gave the speech, and the speech was filled with, 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 with gospel from a young lady whose life gives proof that the seed. You see, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, it, it flourishes. Jesus says it's like, that, it's like that little seed. It turns into this giant tree in the garden and if you know anything about a mustard bush, it's really a bush. It just, it just starts to take over everything. The kingdom of God grows wherever it wants to grow. It comes out of the small seed. So what do we do? We, we keep the word of God as our focus. We keep the, the kingdom of God as our hope. 
I'm going to give you a third point about the people of God. Number three, another truth. <clears throat> the grace of God is our comfort. The grace of God is our comfort. Let me call your attention down to verse 33 and 34. So what we've heard so far are the sayings of Jesus, the parable of Jesus. Verse 33 and 34 is really an editorial. So Mark who wrote this gets this from Peter, and Mark gives us kind of what's going on in the context. I'm going to show it to you, verse 33-34. I want you to see grace here. With many such parables, he spoke, to, he spoke the word to them. Now here's the grace. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. You know what the grace here is? You might even want to write this down. You can understand the truth of the gospel. Why? Because God has given it to us in such a way that it's not something esoteric, it's not going over your heads. This teaches that when Jesus talked to the crowd, even though he used parables, he did it in such a way that they were able to get it. There are a lot of you sitting right here. You understand. You've heard Jesus say, God, give them ears to hear. You can understand the gospel. Right? For those of you that are not yet Christians, but you're not antithetical, but you're here, I want you to, to see that there's, there's not anything, there's not a plan B, there's not more to learn. You've heard that God is holy and you are a sinner separated from God and He has poured His love out to us in Jesus who lived perfectly, died on the cross, God raised Him from the dead. And, and if you'll believe that, you understood the gospel. You understand it. There's something else about grace here in verse 34. That, this is for all of you that are Christians. Let's, let's let the 12 disciples sort of symbolize us in verse 34. He did not speak to them without a parable, but, if this needy would take his own, but privately to his own disciples, to those who are already there, already Christians, to those he would explain everything. I would just say to you, this verse tells me that you can grow in the truth of the gospel. What a shame it would be to come to church all your life and never grow beyond where you first started. You can grow in the truth of the gospel. You hear the Bible read, preached on Sundays, and you go to a community group, you in a discipleship group. Why do we do that? So that you can sit in a small group with people and take the truths and have those truths strengthen your soul so that as a, as a person of God, you can take joy. You see, God's people, God's people take joy in God's kingdom. How do we do that? We keep the word as our focus. We keep the kingdom of God as our hope. And we keep the grace, the grace of God is our great comfort. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song and continue worshiping here. And we have something called an invitation here at Hickory Grove. Let me just tell you what I'm inviting you to do today. Two, twofold. Today, when this song starts to, uh, when, when Gerald starts to sing and lead us in the song, I want to invite you just to come forward and pray. 
There are people that you're thinking of that you want to pray God would take the seed of the gospel and it would take root and she would come to Christ. Maybe you want to come and pray for that person here. The other person I want to invite is you that have heard it and understand it. And you've yet to give your life to Christ. All the barriers are broken down now. Clarity has been presented. I would invite you to turn to Christ. You can talk to me or one of the pastors right here if you want to come down front or, or after church. Our pastors are here so that we might see the seed of the gospel take root. You turn your life to Jesus. Before we sing, won't you join me now as we pray? Let's pray. With your heads bowed this morning as we go to the Lord in a moment of prayer, let's ask God to take this word and put it into our hearts. Father, we pray for grace and we pray for those that are without Christ. We pray that you would do the miraculous work that is beyond us. We pray that you would give us strength to continue speaking the gospel. We pray that the seed of the gospel that has been planted into the hearts of people we love would come alive. We pray that there would be a turning from sin and a turning to the grace found in Jesus. We thank you for this comforting word. We thank you for the kingdom of God. We thank you for the church. We pray you find us faithful. In Jesus' name we pray.